G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. The sheep escaped on us yet again, went five kilometres up the road, a windy road. So I got a bucket of food, and which was a nice bright pink bucket, and I ran in front of them and called them all the way home for the five kilometres. And they just followed like, um, like, like, yeah, like sheep, like the Bible. It was just magic. (laughs) (laughs) The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. We're going outback today with Ken and Nari Petfield from St. George in Queensland. They have an innovative way of helping farmers by providing relief when they need a break for a while. But that is just one of the many ways they've been involved in helping other people. They're having a chat and sharing their story with Shelley Scull. to have a chat to you today because I've heard that you do a form of farm relief. Describe what it is that you guys actually do for other farmers. We, um, we offer our services to, to go and give those people a break and really just do the basic things for them like feed their dogs, the chooks their animals, that sort of thing, keep their grass and their gardens going as well as run waters and just the normal things you would do on a farm without any, uh, any of the, the high tech stuff. So just so that they can get away and they know that their place is safe. Yeah, it's such a blessing then to so many people because I know it would just be almost impossible for many people to get away not having someone to be able to take care of the animals and, like you say, the grass and all of that stuff. Yeah, it, it seems to be um, the more that, that I hear about anyway is getting somebody that's honest, it's mm. willing to do it. You know, some people... Um, aren't as honest as uh, they should be. Yeah. And uh, can be a bit of a flop. But if you um, do the right thing, well, then they're at peace and they're, they're happy to be away on holidays, relaxing, and know that their place is safe. Mm, which is important <laughs> if the whole point of it is to be relaxing. I understand. I understand it is a bit of an industry. Some people uh, get paid to do this kind of work, but you guys have chosen to volunteer to do it for people who are really in need. That's right. Yeah, um, we don't want it. We don't want to get paid for it. Um, the only payment we get is that they give them the opportunity to, to uh, do a good deed for somebody else. But um, quite often they'll give you fuel and, and you know they'll, they'll feed you. They give you some meat, that sort of thing. So you know, it's just general little stuff that you get. But you don't get any. You don't get any money for it. Mm. I guess the other benefit for you guys, though, is that you get to travel and see different parts of the country and different farms, and that would keep life exciting. Oh, it's, for me, it's just like living a dream. <laughs> I, I wanted to do two things when I was growing up. I wanted to be a carpenter, and I wanted to be on the land, and I really never got to do either. But now this is uh, an old age thing, and I can just do it when I feel like it. When I'm not happy to do it, well, then we just turn them down. But yeah, it, it's great for me. Mm. And Nari tags along and she seems to be having with it as well. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you, actually, I was assuming that you guys had had a farm of your own in the past, but that's not the case? No, no, not really. No, we, um, Nari's, well, 
I'll tell you what I used to do. I, I, um, I did grow up in Tara, and we did have a, a small farm there, which was um, turned out not to be a viable proposition, even though we did make a profit from the purchase from the, to the selling price. But, yeah, it wasn't something that you could live off. So um, we sort of decided that we'd go around Australia. So we got a caravan, and we, we travelled around Australia, and pulled up in a town, and, and wherever we could get work, that's where we stayed for a little while. And that was a great experience. Then we came back, and from then on, from, from my point of view, I, I was worked for the um, Queensland Government, the education, mm-hmm. as a groundsman in Harvey Bay, then in Formba, and then got tired of that, and we decided to buy a news agency out here in Durham, Bandy, so... We've been out here for about uh, 15 years or so and enjoying it. Tell us about some of the areas that you've been able to travel to as part of this farm relief. Uh, with the farm relief, we've been down to New South Wales. We did a stint at um, Coonabarabin when oh, that was when the fires went through there in the Warrenbungle a National Park um, and a couple wanted a break, so we looked after their, um, their farm. I'd say they're only... It was only a little hobby farm while well, they went away. Mm. They went away for two months and we were there for a little while. The Salvation wow. Army rang us up and asked us to go down there. And um, we just looked after their horses and their, their cats and fiddled about and cleaned yeah. up a bit after the fire for them. And, yeah, that was, that was an experience. Yeah, it must have been. And being part of that yeah. community when the community was obviously hurting. Yeah, it, it was a... It really was an eye-opener because we got down to there and we found um, the Uniting Church in Coonabarabin was where we went to to worship and it was a wonderful, wonderful community and they accepted us and they had uh, disaster meetings which they involved us in and it was really a learning curve for us as well. It was very good. That was one of the places we've been to, but mainly we do it around here. Locally, we, we go to people that we've known since we've been out here, only because we're known, that's all. We're not advertising anything. Yeah, yeah. And people of word of mouth have got, got us that far and said, right, well, where it leads, who knows? Yeah. No, it's a great thing you're doing for people. Just back at the Coonabarra brand, uh, I understand that Nairi has a bit of a story to tell about the time some sheep got out. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I'll put her on. Thanks. Yes, that's my moment that God really came through for me again because um, we were um, we had got the sheep were escaped on us yet again went five kilometres up the road a windy road and because they were pets um, they couldn't be chased so I got a bucket of food and which was a nice bright pink bucket and I ran in front of them and called them all the way home for the five kilometres and they just followed like um, like. Like yeah, like shit, like the Bible. It was just magic, and uh, I really had. I got down on my knees and thanked the Lord for that day. <laughs> That's no small feat. Getting seventeen sheep five kilometres down a windy road. It's um, I think you had a bit of help that day. I definitely did, Sally, because um, it was not something I did on my own. The Lord was there all the way. Because anyone who knows what a sheep's like, it does not do anything that's predictable. So. Mm. Uh, to come the five kilometres, and it was on a main road, 
And the, uh, I did have a small prayer to the Lord that nobody came along and took photographs, and that also happened too. <laughs> yes. So here I you are telling to... the nation about it. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a blessed day, that's for sure. You guys have also been on a few uh, little mission trips as well. Tell us about your time at the Yawa Opal Festival. Yes, Sally, we went out to there with the Salvation Army people again, and, um, and they have an actual Opal Festival every year, and it's really, really, really remote and um, dry and desolate. And uh, we went out with the Salvation Army, set up like a like a Salvation tent, and we um, uh, spoke to people about the Lord and uh, and and their troubles. You know, their troubles is within, you know, not troubles within themselves, but you know. To, focus on the Lord so how much he can help mm-hmm. and uh, we spoke to people as they came by and gave them information and we had a, a miniature uh, church service there on the Sunday which uh, wasn't greatly attended but the, the ones that did come along were blessed of course and it was, um, it was a lovely, lovely event and I believe the Salvation Army go out every year so I mean, though it's not you know, not constant, it's you know, something that's going to happen on a regular basis that people are have available uh, the word of the Lord, that's for sure. Yeah, that's a great outreach that you had there. And I understand you also went to Thargaminda with the Salvation Army? Yeah, in that time we went to Thargaminda and uh, Yulo and Nakatundra and that's um, way out too. And we visited some uh, properties there and um, we just, um, again, just approached like... Um, Speaking the word of the Lord and telling him, telling them and befriending them in mm. lots of ways, so you know that um, people can appreciate that um, the Lord's out there, you know, caring about them. I think I think that that's the greatest message you can get that you know they're not alone because out in those outback places it's awfully, awfully desolate and there's, you don't see a lot of people, and uh, that alone hear a lot about the Lord. Mm. Yeah, it's great to be able to have the likes of you guys going out and sharing the love of the Lord with these people uh, and being the hands and feet out there. It's one thing for us to be broadcasting uh, into some of these very, very small towns, but it's great to have uh, actual human beings walking in there as well. That's true. I mean, I think, there's, like you said, there's a place for everything. The broadcast oh, yeah. fabulous because it's consistent. Yeah. But when you can actually, um, especially out the Western places, when you can have a face-to-face talk sometimes and they can unburden themselves, mm. it's wonderful for them, I think, you know, and the Lord works in mysterious ways, as we know anyway. What but are some the, of the things that people in these areas are struggling with? You mentioned the, the loneliness and the isolation. What else is going on in some of these small towns? Well, a drought, drought's horrendous. Um, and you think, oh, yes, it's drought, either drought or floods, but what that does then... It isolates them. Uh, if if it's a bad drought, there's no finances, so you're even more isolated. You can't um, you can't avail yourself of going anywhere for that matter. Mm. And the um, they don't people out there don't talk to anybody. You know, like you know, in the city where you might if you didn't have enough money, you might go down to the to some uh, well to the Salvation Army or to you know St Vinnie's or something and avail yourself, but People out west are so proud; they wouldn't dream of doing that. They would—they just bottle it all up 
and and suffer and uh, and that that's really 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 hard and mm. you know and, and that causes illness and and out our, out our way of course depression in the farming community is is, is quite prevalent too. Yeah, it's pretty horrible the things that these people are struggling with and we would hasten to say that there's a lot of people in the city as well that are also struggling with depression and for different reasons. I think it's great for us all to be aware of what other people in the country are experiencing because you see some of these things on the news but it's nice to hear actual stories, I think, of uh, how we can be praying for our brothers and sisters around the nation as well. Absolutely, and you're right. City city people, have, it's no different. It's just a, just a different set of circumstances. Yeah. But the bottom line is no different whatsoever. The bottom line is we all need God. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And my very, very, very favourite quote in the Bible is, you know, Romans 12 from verse 9 on, you know, don't just pretend to love others but really love them. You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with Ken and Nari Petfield from St George in Queensland. And they get around to different farms and provide relief for people who need a break. We'll hear more of their story, including some of the overseas ministry work they've been involved in, when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with Ken and Nari Petfield from St. George in Queensland. And we've been hearing about how they provide farm relief for people who need a break. But that is only one of the many ways they've been involved in helping other people. Next, we'll hear how they've been a blessing outside of Australia as well. You've also been overseas to Cambodia. Tell us about the mission trip that you did there. We have, uh, Sally. We went over to Cambodia with, uh, it's actually the C3 Church, but what they do at Ben and Cherie and they... They take the little girls preferably, but it can be little boys as well, off the street and put them in what they call the princess program, which saves them before they get into prostitution. And um, by that, by doing it holistically through with God's input, um, they take them and educate them um, and also educate the families as well. So, and try wherever possible to put them into some sort of housing and to um, get the children so as they will have a future within the, you know, A, within the Lord and then B, within, the, you know, the schooling system so as they won't be forced onto prostitution. And I'll tell you why, because if what they do is if they're out on the streets and they're out every day, these little people, and they're older, maybe, you know, from three upwards, to pick up anything, rubbish, bottles, anything, because if they do that all day, get a huge plastic bag full, they get around about 50 cents, which allows them one small bowl of rice. Hence, you know, you can see where the, 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 they're preyed on for prostitution mm. and that. Wow. So it's amazing then that this church is, has that mission there. I guess prevention rather than cure in the lives of these kids. Absolutely. And I know this sounds harsh, but like if you're a, you're a, a mum over there and you've got um, nine children to feed, 
and some predator offers you a thousand pound or a thousand dollars to take one of your children, which then feeds your other children for, you know, say five years. I d- I'm not condoning it or anything, but I, I can see, you know, how all this evolves, and that's mm-hmm. really sad. And we need to pray continually that, the, you know, with the Lord's help, we can we can turn that around. Yeah, absolutely. And it starts with uh, just loving these kids as they are and, like you say, education as well so that they can get themselves out of that financial mess to begin with uh, and see that there's so much more to life and that they are worth so much more as well. Absolutely. And and it is a beautiful program. Um, when I we were over there, I work with the, um, the mothers and the grandmas of the little people and I taught them how to sew because... If they can sew, um, they can they can then become productive and have some way or some means of making a living, and um, and also clothing themselves because it, it's all difficult over there. Everything is difficult, so uh, that was that was my little sort of contribution. And uh, and we also um, we went to, we had a church service one night. We had church services a lot, but we fed everybody that came, and we fed. 700 people at the church service, which is pretty awesome. And then we praise the Lord for that. Wow, what an awesome opportunity to get involved there. What was Ken's role in this uh, Cambodia mission? When Ken, he went out to the, um, to the houses and um, all that, and I'll put him on and he can explain that, love. Yeah. Part of the day was taken up by trying to um, better the the housing situation for the people. And we, we'd go out and we would would um, do some running repairs on their homes, if that's what you call them. They were just um, really little tin sheds, um, dirt floors and um, um, walls with, were made of maybe old plastic bags or, you know, not the, not the ones you get in the shopping centre, but the, um, the woven ones. Yeah. And uh, one particular place we went to, I think we repaired around about 150 holes in the roof with um, silicon. Wow. And then, then we put up this, um, replaced the wall. And one of the funny things that happened there was was um, we we were replacing the wall with galvanised iron. So, you know, it was cardboard and it was this... Um, plastic woven bag and we started to rip it down oh no 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 don't 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 don't, don't do that because that plastic bag they were going to use for something else oh yeah and we, we thought yeah well, that's rubbish now because we chucked that away but no it wasn't you got to recycle really it hey they got a pretty good recycling program going oh, on well they have it's 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 incredible how they live and and, and to see the smiles on their faces they're always smiling they've got nothing and they're mm. very, very happy people. <laughs> they understand all the things that they do have, hey? I think so. I yeah. think so, yeah. Yeah. And there, like, there's all sorts of little schemes going. We went to one particular place and we used to go into little villages and, and we'd do, we'd start off by um, playing games. And the kids would come from all over the place and their parents would wander and some would come, come into the into the, um, the actual area we were in or they would stand out on the road and watch and then they'd sneak a little bit closer and you know, eventually they'd come right in and we'd start off with these games. Then we might have a craft or something and then we might have a little little service and if we had food, we'd give them, we'd give them food. We didn't give food to everybody but we gave food to a lot of people. 
and and yeah, it was it was really interesting. The kids just had a wow of a time. Just loved it. Loved us being there. No, mm. I, I don't know. You, you, put, you don't know me, but I'm um, I'm six foot six. <laughs> so you're not small. No, and they're all tiny. And, and every now and then I'd hear, I'd feel this touch on my back. There'll be somebody standing there, measuring themselves against me. <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite. I was I was a bit of a hit because of my size, and they were so small. And they would touch me, and then they'd run away and giggle and. But, but as far as you know, the work we did, we you know, we could have done a lot more. Mm. But it's just hard to get going. You know, hard to get services. We wanted to put a slab down for a family. We couldn't get the cement. We couldn't get the blokes to deliver the gravel. And um, when they did deliver the gravel, one good solid armful was one rock. <laughs> so it had to be smashed up with hammers and crowbars and stuff. That's the sort of wow. things you you got to contend with. Yeah, yeah, and certainly no, an experience for you. Yeah, they had no idea about, um, you know, we thought, oh, we'd put a slab down so we'd get some boxing and some pegs and box it all out. Oh, no, you don't do it like that. <laughs> Just stick a little trench in the ground and then you start from there. And you lay some bricks up and then pour inside the bricks. No levels, no squaring it, no nothing. It's just... That's a waste that's of time, all of that. Oh, <laughs> Why stuff exactly. around making it level? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it was really <laughs> interesting for us to do that and, yeah, to see how it all, how it all worked. But yeah, definitely think, interesting. How wonderful the people were, you know, just how happy yeah. they were with yeah. what they had. How did it change you as a person, spending that time there in Cambodia? Uh, I, I don't know. I think it makes you appreciate um, the fact that those people over there, like, like I've been saying throughout this little conversation here, that, that how happy they are. And back home here, we, we want we want everything and still not happy. Mm. Um, and I think that that's probably the biggest thing that hit me. And as far as changing me, me guys, I, Oh, I don't really know how it ch- changed me. <laughs> I just felt that they were they were just wonderful people, and they needed all the help they could get, and we should pray for them and mm. continue to um, donate to these places. I mean, there's lots of them, but we just went to one particular group, um, yeah. Benny and Cherie, and um, they they were wonderful people. They're just so so driven in what they do, yeah. and seeing so many miracles in there personal lives <clears throat> that, that it touches you. Yeah. Well, I love your story. I love how you're just being used by God wherever he decides to put you, using uh, these later years in life to really get out and glorify God in your own hometown, in the neighboring towns, and even around the world in Cambodia, and who knows where his next ad- adventure for you lies. <laughs> but thanks so much for taking some time out to have a chat with us today. Take care, and God bless all the listeners. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Ken and Nari Petfield from St George in Queensland who provide farm relief for people who need a break. But as we've been hearing, they do much more than that. They've also been a blessing to many other people both inside and outside of Australia. Just fantastic. You've got to love their heart for serving, don't you? And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, God will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. 
next time on The Story. My friend finds me on the floor unconscious. Her immediate response after calling triple zero was to call a friend and one of the pastor's wives. She left the service to answer the phone and Deanna said to her, I just asked her, please pray. Bernice has collapsed. We don't know what's wrong. She's unconscious. Please, can you get everybody to pray? Bernice Hills from South Africa had a stroke at the age of 35, which was followed by brain surgery. This wife and mother of two small children suddenly found her life turned upside down. Bernice shares how her faith gave her peace in the midst of her brush with death. Next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.